What's up, guys? It's Friday, March 27th, 2020. Welcome to this week's edition of the FritzCast. If you missed last week, I gotta tell you right now, you need to go, you need to stop this week's and go back to last week's. But we're actually gonna play a clip from last week's episode. It was an interview with Libertarian presidential candidate Jacob Hornberger, who I might have uh, uh, prematurely dubbed... um, the leading candidate or the 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 popular candidate um in our discussion we figured out you know or in our discussion of it we revealed you know that uh that libertarian primaries are uh you know they're non-binding contests uh they're uh beauty contests so to speak uh but they kind of gauge a voter interest and uh you know now things are up in the air with how the libertarian process and nomination process works because of coronavirus. Now, I'll be I'll be honest with you guys. This this episode might actually be uh, a little on the the shorter side um because in in thinking about what updates there are to talk about. I mean, yes, there there's there's a plethora of things to talk about. When it comes to coronavirus and the updates that have uh, have come through over uh, the past over the past week, uh, just alone, this is like you know everything shut down. You know, life as you know it has been stalled because of this global pandemic. And let, let's not let's not shirk or shy away from from any of the facts. This is a this is a global scale. Event. There's many nations that are feeling it right now. Um, some far worse than others, like Italy. Uh, just uh, just the other day, America, here the grand old USA, actually surpassed um, the world count of confirmed coronavirus cases. So we have now one of the highest uh, confirmed cases uh, caseloads uh, for coronavirus. There's some stipulations and caveats with that, though. Anybody who's trying to tell me Chinese numbers, like the numbers coming out of China, I don't, I don't buy them. Uh, China tried to suppress this from the get-go, uh, so they were lying from the beginning. What is to say they're not lying now? Um, that is, it's really hard to gauge that because I don't, I don't believe China's playing ball or playing fair with it or, or even giving people accurate data uh, over this thing. Uh, and the media is too busy arguing about, you know, what the virus is supposed to be called. You know, it's, a, it's supposed to be called the novel coronavirus, not the Chinese coronavirus that's racist. And it, it doesn't really matter where the origin of the disease came from unless you're a conspiracy theories, theorist of sorts, and you believe that it was a manufactured bioweapon. We can have that discussion. We can certainly have that discussion, but in the realm right now, it's, it's not even a, a, a consideration while on a global scale, everybody is trying to com- combat it, curve um, their numbers, and, and really get over this, this thing. Um, it, it's amazing that what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I I did an episode, and and three weeks ago here in America, we were all like, you know, yeah, it's not that big deal. Uh, I don't, you know, it's the flu, and 
you know, come to find you do a little research, right? And uh, it's not the flu. It's not the flu. Um, in any, in, in, in lots of cases, it seems that it is a much more infectious and much more aggressive viral disease um, that is incomparable to the flu. Uh, but that's beside the point. The implications... Are, are, are on a global scale You know, it doesn't matter if, if You gotta, there's so many different aspects To talk about with this thing um, Before I even get into it I mean, you know, I usually talk about My week um, A lot of people are trying to deal with Life changing uh, With with Lockdowns and uh, stay at home Orders and, and, and uh, Curfews, all this other stuff uh, people have been uh, adjusting to this lifestyle for the past week, maybe two weeks um, or better. And, and right now, for the foreseeable future, for the next couple of weeks, uh, there's no indications that would suggest that that's going to change. No matter what, <laughs> no matter what Donald Trump says, talking about, I think we'll be good by Easter. I think we can get the Easter Catholics into to to their session in church. You know, for all the Easter Catholics out there. Uh, no offense to you, actually, devout Catholics who go, you know, every Sunday. But you all know there's the Easter Catholics. Just, just saying it. But I, I can't. Uh, I, I've listened to a crap ton of podcasts on this stuff too. Podcasts, uh, news programs. Uh, I've read dozens of reports. Um, because what else is there to do? I mean, sports is canceled, uh, movies are canceled, uh, going out and bowling with your friends is canceled, going to the mall and just walking around is canceled, and then in some cases, this is a little nutty of you people, uh, some, in some cases, just merely walking outside, not in the general vicinity of your home or neighborhood is, is frowned upon. Why? Why? Um... In, in some of the responses that have happened, you know, man. Okay, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Pause, rewind. My week this past week. Uh, a lot of people are getting affected by this thing. A lot of people, you know, have their jobs are at stake. Um, their livelihoods are at stake. Uh, and and that is, mind you, this is going to come into play later in the argument. That, the whole life being disrupted thing, you could say, well, it's because of the virus and all that. Well, t- you know, it is, but technically it's measures enacted by the government that have caused the economic hardships and troubles that people are now experiencing. That was a, that was a call from the government, uh, and, and we'll, we'll dive into some nuances there. For, for me, life hasn't changed that much. I still, you know, I'm an essential employee. You know, I, go, I still go to work every night. Um, and, and I work, nothing's changed on that front. My wife was not working. She was doing uh, college at university of Delaware, which was the ground zero for COVID here in Delaware. Um, they've all moved to online classes, um, starting Monday. So she'll be doing online classes, but regardless, we, 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 there was no income from my wife. We weren't depending on any income from my wife. My income's still coming in, so I have not been adversely affected by this, unless, of course, I actually get COVID and have to be quarantined for 14 days or whatever, but then I have the sick time banked up, uh, you know, nearly a thousand hours, uh, because I've never called out of work, so, 
I'm not adversely affected by it. And I'm probably in the category of people who could get COVID and not, you know, personally really suffer any setback. If I got it, it would just be two weeks quarantine. Um, needless to say, I don't want to play with that. I don't want to, I don't want to contract COVID and, and find out that it is, you know, find out that I am somebody that is susceptible or, or will get hit harder with it. I I don't want that. (laughs) I really don't want that. I'd rather just not and say I did. (sighs) When you're not adversely affected, it's hard. Like, you know, uh, it was still cold out and, and crappy. So outside activities anyway, wasn't really going on. Uh, my wife and I weren't going to the movies, uh, anytime soon. Uh, we weren't going bowling or going to main event or anything like that, uh, to play arcade games and all that crap. Um, we don't go out to eat or get food a lot for, for those kind of datey things. Um, if anything, we do lots of work around the house, um, sprucing up the house, Making the house look good, uh, working in the yard because it gets us outside in the fresh air, all that jazz. So, life for Fritz hasn't changed. Has not changed. Nothing is different, except maybe I wash my hands a little bit more often now, especially at work, and especially um, personal protective equipment. Um, way more conscientious of that, and, and should have been that conscientious of it anyway, but... But uh, this, this is where we're at with it. So I'm not adversely affected, but I know a lot of people are. A lot of people are in a bind. A lot of people are worried about what they're going to do because they don't have a job now. Or their job's just on hold. Some people are fortunate enough to still have that job. Um, small businesses have have uh, tried their damnness to not just up and lay off staff and, and call it a day. You know, uh, we've seen some great outpouring outreach, charity, uh, all that stuff. Uh, And all that stuff is great. All that stuff is great. It's great to see that outpouring. The the thing that gets me about, about this COVID business is just the, the gross incompetence of, of our government, um, seemingly in all facets over the whole spectrum of things, uh, uh, we were behind on on getting serious about this, uh, behind on testing, uh, behind on taking uh, the preemptive measures to help minimize the impact. Uh, just behind on everything. Then our politicians are arguing and bickering over a relief bill, a relief bill that was supposed to be, you know. Um, direct financial aid for the American people. Originally, they were mimicking George W. Bush uh, stimulus packages from 2008. Uh, It is not. (laughs) It does not mimic that now. Uh, And uh, over the past week, there's been this back-and-forth battle. The GOP-drafted bill got shot down by the Democrats because it was too pro-business and helping out. You know, it was corporatism. And then uh, Nancy Pelosi drafted up a bill that was just, you know, just as ridiculous with a, a complete, you know, left liberal progressive wish list of items that weren't even involved with the concept of we're in a COVID crisis. Let's aim and, and focus on the crisis, getting people help that they need. The, the whole thing was a shit show. You know, it was a shit show. 
all around. And it still kind of is because the FDA is, is doing things like preventing testing and all that. I, I need to dive into some, some clips and some reading. Um, and we'll, this is the clip from last week's episode that we will play shortly when we get there. Um, but a lot of the stuff that, that popped up with this uh, business, uh, you know, for example, people here in, in America are saying, you know, hey, South Korea, they're not doing lockdowns. They're, they're doing so great. To, you know, why can't we be more like them? That's, that's how we should be is in South Korea. They say that, but they don't research some of the things behind South Korea, which is why we're going into this Forbes magazine article. My computer's being slow as crap because I did not boot it up because I'm a bad person <laughs> today. Um, but you'll see, I mean, you see the title. South Korea has ceased coronavirus slowdown without a lockdown, but with nearly 250,000 tests. Not only that, uh, but in this article, you will see... As we scroll down, uh, according to Reuters, the Korea Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recorded 110 new coronavirus cases on Friday and said that 177 patients had been released. The first time the daily number of recovered people rose above the number of new cases. So they are seemingly, at least, maybe trending on a downswing. Um, The chief of the KCDC, uh, Jung Eun Kyung, said he expects this trend to continue as numbers indicate a downward trend, a hopeful sign that South Korea may be past the worst of the coronavirus outbreak without implementing lockdowns like China and Italy. Um, one of the, the, the keys to containing the virus in South Korea, though, is where it's really telling, especially if you're an American thinking that we should mimic or follow that pattern. Um, and this is highly overlooked, um, for some reason. I don't even know why. The libertarians share the hell out of this, and they don't read the details of it. It, it kind of baffles my mind. Um, because in a letter to the New York Times, as we're reading right here, uh, Seo Eun-young, the director of the foreign press relations in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, said aggressive testing has been the key to containing the virus, aggressive testing, lots of tests, lots of tests ready to go, aggressively testing, finding the people who are sick, quarantining them, quarantining people that they've been in contact with. This is where it gets a little freaky uh, because uh, the next passage that we're going to highlight here, right here, unlike other countries like the United States where only people showing symptoms are recommended to be tested because we still have a limited number of testing. The FDA, the CDC, they have not allowed for private testing to really overtake this thing here in America. Uh, they've been squandered. We kind of went over that last week uh, with the doctor in Seattle. Wanted to jump on top of it. Wanted to start testing. What does the government say? No, can't do testing. Get out of town. Crazy. Um, South Korea tests anyone who had been in contact with a confirmed case and they found those people by tracking down credit card activity, surveillance camera footage, and mobile phone tracking. Those who are potentially exposed, a measure that has proved effective, but has raised questions about privacy. What are we big here in America? Your Fourth Amendment right to privacy. 
some people are probably going to say this is really cool. South Korea used a data system in which they were monitoring people and were able to get on top of this, you know, pandemic and really start cracking down and minimize the impact. Yes, but there was a trade-off, and the trade-off was privacy. The trade-off was that they don't have a Fourth Amendment. The trade-off is is that South Korea literally is one of the higher-ranking surveillance states in the world, and they're used to it there in South Korea. They don't mind it. Here in America, it's a little hard to come by, (laughs) just a little bit. Uh, the UPI reported South Korea had conducted almost 250,000 tests as of Friday. Uh, they wrote that the aggressive testing is also why the country's mortality rate of 0.77% is so far below the 3.4% global average. And to encourage testing, the roughly $134 fee is waived for anyone who is already suspected a suspected patient or who tests positive. Uh, South Korea government is still monitoring potential flares of coronavirus. New clusters are reported to have emerged at a Seoul call center, a church in the southeastern city of uh, Daegu, and a government office in Sejong, about 75 miles from Seoul. Uh, Right here, key, the U.S. has reportedly tested fewer than 14,000 people. This is a Dr. Anthony Fauci told Congress that that was a failing, a failing of the government. Our government failed to jump on this quick enough, failed to have measures in place for tests to be developed and available. Failure all around. And it's just sad that we have to discuss it like that. Um, really, really sad. That we have to discuss it like that. Um, Going down here. The $2 trillion bill got passed the Senate in a historic 96 to nothing vote. Uh, There was, uh, who was it? Thomas Massey was um, pushing the issue uh, for the House to vote in person for roll call for this today. A move that he's going to be criticized for. Rand Paul was criticized for for saying that we should pull troops out of Afghanistan and from around the world to reallocate military budget money that was put forward to that and and reallocate it into the COVID fight. You know, you're not allowed to have those those discussions right now uh, because people want swift action. It doesn't matter. And, And some people don't care about what is actually in this bill in the slightest. And that's the scary thing is that uh, if it's a situation where if you question some some aspect of the bill or something about the bill, um, it, you know it doesn't matter if what you're bringing up is legitimate. It really doesn't matter if what you're bringing up is legitimate because uh, if you're if you speak out against the bill, then you're against um, you're against you're against helping people. You're against any and all aid um, when it comes to this coronavirus business. You're against helping out the poor sap that got conned out of their job, or rather not even conned out of their job, forced out of their job by the hands of the government, and now they're not even going to get 
compensated the right way by the government. I'm trying to pull up the story on the two trillion dollars is because it's opening in Apple News, and that's that's my fault for not being uh, more organized and prepared for it. So, in fact, we'll minimize that. Boom! And we'll actually put up a new window capture that can um, get Apple News. There it is. There we go. So. Woo, look at that. Pan down a little bit there. Give us a little better view of this. Uh, Trump signs historic $2 trillion stimulus after Congress passes it on Friday. Um, this far-reaching legislation stands as the largest emergency aid package in United States history. It represents a massive financial injection into a struggling economy with provisions aimed at helping American workers, small businesses, and industries grappling with the economic disruption. The House of Representatives earlier in the day approved a, the bill that passed the Senate earlier this week, overcoming last-minute drama by using an unusual an unusual procedural move to thwart a demand by a conservative Republican to force members to vote in person. That person was Thomas Massey of Kentucky. Um, it says in this article, quote, Thomas Massey of Kentucky infuriated members. And I just lost it because, because I scrolled the wrong way. <laughs> My bad. My bad. So uh, what, what is in this relief bill? Thomas Massey tried to, to initiate the everybody present vote. It, it, it got shot down. But that's all you need to know about it. So, and there's a, there's a plethora of articles that you can read. Um, you know, the, the airline industry is getting $60 billion in a bailout. Uh, small businesses can get loans and tax relief so they can avoid laying off their workforce. That actually does help the workforce, in a manner of speaking. $100 billion in emergency funding for hospitals makes sense, uh, since hospitals could be overrun, undersupplied, what have you. Um, the Treasury's $500 billion fund to shore up at-risk companies left out Trump's. So Trump's businesses are left out. Uh, sunscreen makers, travel agents, and more surprising beneficiaries of the bill uh, in, a political, in a Politico article. Who got special deals in the stimulus and why they got them? Uh, <clears throat> look at this, look at this, man. Uh, Patrick Leahy managed to successfully push a minimum assistance figure for every state, $1.5 billion, to make sure small states like his weren't left out <clears throat> in the legislation. A provision for the FDA to approve, quote, innovative sunscreens, which would benefit L'Oreal, which has operations in Kentucky, appeared in the bill, which was steered in the Senate by Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky. 
the gaming industry wasn't left out either. Casinos will be able to tap government loans for disaster assistance, a payback after casinos were blocked from receiving tax breaks extended to other businesses after Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Uh... Let's see. Travel agents relief. Uh, the ability to apply for $25 billion in loans and loan guarantees reserved for the airlines. Why? Because the travel's knocked out, obviously. Better, faster sunscreen. Hmm. Special deal. Tucked in the final bill is language ensuring that the FDA reviews newer and more novel ingredients for over-the-counter sunscreen products in a timely fashion. Hmm. What does that have to do with uh, coronavirus aid, really? You tell me. Uh, yeah, you tell me. Uh, equity for small states. Okay, job security for military bases. Credit reporting in industry. The special deal was consumers wouldn't get a negative credit report if they have an agreement with a lender to delay payments or make partial payments. That's good in theory. Uh, student loan tax boon. The final package creates a new tax benefit for student loan borrowers who employers help them pay off their debt. Under the bill, a company could pay up to $5,250 of an employee's student loan payments each year on a tax-free basis. Again, I don't really see the immediate help during the coronavirus outbreak. I, I just I don't get it. Uh, casinos push for provisions to make sure they wouldn't be blocked from federal aid. They're allowed to apply for portions of the $350 billion in small business administration loans if they're a small business and need less than $10 million. Uh, free video visitation in prison. Yeah, the legislation means free video conferencing and phone calls for inmates during the pandemic, if Attorney General Barr agrees. Uh, there's so much other stuff in here. More relief for farmers because, you know, you have a stupid little tariff war with, uh, with China going back and forth. It's just, yeah, I mean, there's probably a plethora more tucked away in there that we didn't even uh, go over, which, I mean, that's sad, but it is what it is. So let's zoom back up here, full screen. There we go. So last week we had Jacob Hornberger on. And uh, he had, uh, we asked, I asked him uh, about the libertarian take on this coronavirus bid. I just want to play you a clip of it. it. Last week's episode was 49 minutes long. It was a great interview with Jacob Hornberger. He's a great guy uh, and a great candidate on the Libertarian Party that you should check out. So if you have not checked out last week's episode, I implore you, look in this very playlist uh, or click on the Fritzcast name and find it. It's titled Special Guest Jacob Hornberger. Let's just hear a little bit about libertarians and coronavirus. Uh, that, that, you know, the, the, the natural question that, that a libertarian gets asked, and especially like here running for office, is well, what would you do about the coronavirus uh, crisis? And, and everybody that asks that question is assuming the continued existence of the status quo, uh, the, the healthcare system we have, the economic system we have. And so they look at libertarianism 
know, they want to know how libertarianism is going to make their system work. Well, libertarianism has never been a philosophy that's going to make socialism and statism, interventionism, regulation work. That That's not what we purport to do. So when people have this crisis, you, you can't come to us libertarians and say, make our system work. What's your solution? What's the libertarian solution? And when we tell them this, they get really angry and they get really frustrated and upset because, oh, you libertarians are not practical. An analogy of this is like education. You know, the educational system's a mess. And so they come and say, well, what's the libertarian solution to education? Well, they're, what they want is the libertarian solution on how to make public schooling work. It, it doesn't right. exist. All right, so we have a healthcare system that is a socialist system. Um, it's, been, it's been the case since the 1960s, maybe even a little earlier than that. You know, I grew up in, in the poorest city in the United States. That's what the Census Bureau said about Laredo, Texas, back in the 1950s and early 60s. Uh, there was no, nobody had major medical insurance and nobody needed it. I mean, there wasn't even an issue of pre-existing conditions and that sort of thing because healthcare costs were so low and so stable that going to the doctors was like going to the grocery store. You know, how many people have grocery store insurance to protect against soaring grocery prices? Nobody. Right. And, and that's the way healthcare was. It was just so low and stable. It was like taking your car to the auto repair shop. And nobody worried about going bankrupt because they were so low. And, and taxes were so low because the welfare state really hadn't gotten going. You had Social Security in existence from the 30s, but it really hadn't gotten super expensive. And the same with the, the warfare state. So income taxes were fairly low. And so doctors were still making a lot of money. And, and you know, I told you I grew up in the poorest city that doctors' offices every day were filled with, with patients, most of whom couldn't pay, or at least many of whom couldn't pay. Many of them were from Nuevo Laredo, Mexico, because Laredo was on the border. There was never a case where doctors turned anybody away for inability to pay. Same with our, our only hospital in town, Mercy Hospital, a Catholic hospital. Uh, they relied on donations and so forth. So this, it, this, it was the finest healthcare system. Doctors loved what they did. They made house calls. My family doctor, we would go to his house to get a tetanus shot. He'd come out to the car and give it to us on a weekend. There was innovations, inventions. It was a dynamic, vibrant healthcare system. Medicare and Medicaid come into existence. Massive demand on the system. That was the, that was the beginning of the end. Prices started soaring. Instead of getting rid of these two programs, they doubled down. Uh, the, the crisis after crisis after crisis, they end up getting Obamacare in. That that was supposed to solve the problem. It gets worse now that you got Bernie Sanders calling for full-fledged socialized medicine, like in Cuba and North Korea. All right, so you've got the and, and on top of this, you've got a centrally managed healthcare system run out by the the Centers for Disease Control. It's a federally managed healthcare system. This is what's called a socialist healthcare system, highly dysfunctional. With socialism always comes crises. I mean, we've got an education crisis because you got a socialist uh, educational system. All right, so for 30 years, Fritz, at the Future of Freedom Foundation, I've been saying there's only one solution to this. There, there is no other solution. And that is you've got to get rid of Medicare, you got to get rid of Medicaid, You've got to get rid of uh, occupational licensure, which limits the supply of healthcare providers. You've got to get rid of uh, uh, regulation, control, management. 
a separation of healthcare in the state, a total free market healthcare system. And for 30 years, people said, Jacob, you're just too radical. Even libertarians have said, you're too radical. We need a minor reform like health savings accounts. And I keep telling people, I've said for 30 years, your reforms are not going to work. This is an inherently defective system. And so now we're, and, and the same thing with the economy. You've got a centrally managed economy, highly taxed, taking huge amounts of people's money, you've got, uh, which is a socialist system. The income tax is one of the 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto. You've got a centrally managed system with the president at the top in initiating trade wars with China, raising tariffs, you know, all kinds of stuff, with all with this obsession of just getting the stock market up. You've got a Federal Reserve system, which is a socialist system as well, that has totally destroyed what had been the finest monetary system in history. So you've got these three things coming together in a perfect storm. You because now you've got this major healthcare crisis and what do you have to deal with it? You have a dysfunctional healthcare system and you can see the dysfunctionality manifesting itself. They don't have enough kits. The, the Centers for Disease Control sends out a few, turns out they're defective. Uh, everybody's running around like a chicken with their head cut off. Their only answer is tyranny, commands, orders, prohibitions. And meanwhile, the healthcare system is just, <laughs> just total dysfunction. It was a tad longer than I wanted it to go, but the, 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 the drive home point centralization in theory maybe comes off as a good idea, but in, in practicality and practice right now, the centralization has literally screwed the nation because we were not prepared for this. We did not have enough tests for this. We did not uh, go around and find ways to uh, bypass red tape and regulations that prevented uh, private industries, private institutions, uh, educational institutions, medical institutions from creating and doing these tests anyway. There's a limited number of tests in all the people that I've talked to in working in a field that's essential and all the people I've talked to. I don't know anybody personally who has actually gotten tested for COVID. And when I ask people, when I ask friends, colleagues, associates, when I ask them, how do they know anybody who has actually been tested for COVID? I, I've asked literally over 100 people, maybe two people have said, yeah, I do know somebody who's been tested. And typically, it's a person who is in a nursing department in one of the hospitals locally, which makes sense. But uh, and and on top of that, here in Delaware, they have like they had drive up testing sites put up. But why would I? Why would I go and get a test done if I'm not showing any symptoms and I'm not feeling like poop? You know, why would I go? And get a test done just to satisfy my own paranoia over it when there's not enough tests going around. It just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. And our response has been crap. And here we are now. <laughs> here we are now where people are clamoring for... Mind you, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, Trump is literally Hitler... We need to do whatever we can to remove Trump from office. And now people are clamoring for that same government, that same power, to force people to not even leave their homes 
from the next couple of weeks to a month uh, because of how bad this virus is. They're clamoring for the government to do that. I watched a clip the other day of the UK police telling people to disband from a park. And from the video that I saw, social distancing was being enacted. There was not like a 90 billion people crowded on this green field of a park. There was people on the green field of the park. They were spread out. Some of them were lying down and sunbathing. Um, Do I see being outside away from your home as completely problematic No, not if you're following basic social distancing customs, as in not going out in large groups of people you don't know um, who may or may not have interacted. You you don't know. There's question marks around those people. But if you as an individual go to a park to lie down in some grass, you're not contributing to – you're not pro-virus in my eyes. I mean – I mean, how far do you people want to go with the stay-at-home order? Are you not allowed to go to the grocery store anymore? Uh, Or does that have to be limited? How do you limit that? How do you tell somebody that they can't go to the grocery store to get groceries? And don't give me crap about you've had plenty of time to stock up. No, some people haven't had their lives changed by it. Other people are worried about money to be able to go to the store. Because their job is shut down because the government told their job that they're not allowed to operate during this pandemic. Not saying there's a perfect answer. There's really not a perfect answer, but I know a couple of things. I know that, one, this is a serious disease. It's not the flu, okay? we got to stop with people saying that. Uh, Some people do have to take this more seriously. You know, seriously, stop freaking heating up the beaches and stuff in large groups uh, and saying, fuck it, who cares? Literally. Uh, I just stop. Just knock it off. <sighs> but we also have to worry about things like how this government, how our government, the United States government, both sides, Republicans and Democrats, uh, played ping pong with... This bill, left and right, like I thought this bill was supposed to be a big important thing. It took them more than a week to hammer out details. And still the bill that they passed that went on Trump's desk that Trump signed is still full of crap and wasteful spending that has nothing to do and isn't targeted at the coronavirus outbreak. It's incompetence. Incompetence. It's maddening. Completely maddening. So, I wish I could have talked about something else. I really do. And we are going to talk about something else, because uh, there's a million other things that are popping up that, that'll be in next week's show. We're going to save it for next week's show. We're not going to talk about the latest revelations in Joe Biden, because we have to see where they go with this, uh, and, and how legitimate these allegations may be. Um, and, and what kind of impact they'll have on Joe Biden, who is who, at least until two days ago, uh, pretty much had the Democratic nomination in the bud. Sorry, Bernie bros, but statistically speaking anyway, by the numbers, uh, uh, Bernie would have to win out like 60% or more in every other contest that's happening. And the best that he could do was like 50. So... That's beside the point. We'll see. We'll cross that bridge next week's episode uh, because I had to spout off about this coronavirus stuff. I really, 
really did. I know you guys are getting tired of it too. You're on lockdown. There's no sports. Uh, there's there's no entertainment. You can't go anywhere and do anything. And even if you're walking around your own neighborhood, there's a there's a fair to slight chance that somebody will lean out their door or window and yell at you and berate you because you're not at home. Even if you're walking by yourself or walking your dog or even just walking with your family as a small group of five people. That, that's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. We, we have this bill passed. We'll see what the implications are. And hopefully we'll start seeing some of these numbers curve downward. Um, because the other thing that I got to say before we finish this is that people have to stop looking at this as on a national scale. This is a very big nation. It's a very big, populated, diverse nation. Right now, our biggest hit area appears to be New York City. Doesn't surprise me. It's a big metropolitan hub of a lot of people, a lot of tourists, a lot of everything. Plus the I-95 corridor, which makes Delaware a, a, a big target uh, for that. That's why New Jersey is lit up on the map as well. But there's areas in between. Different states are going to have different numbers and are going to be able to do things on different timelines. It's not a national scale timeline for this thing. It is literally going to be broken down by localities, as it should, based on what these numbers show. So that's the mess. I I literally didn't think I was going to even make it 40 minutes on ranting it, but I did. So guys, that's going to do it for me. Please, if you did not watch last week's episode with Jacob Hornberger, it was a great interview. I absolutely loved it. I cannot thank Jacob enough for coming on to the show and providing his feedback on a host of different subjects. Uh, so go and watch that. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Fritzcast. Uh, Twitter is at FritzQS. Uh, Instagram at Fritzcast. FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com. Right here on YouTube. On Apple, Spotify, Google, all the podcast catchers. Thank you for listening. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. And hopefully with something other than coronavirus.